Well, whether you're in the room or on our online community, thank you for being here. If you have the Westover app and you'd like to open it up or go to your Bible, Matthew chapter 7, we're going to continue the series we're in, which is entitled Lower the Volume. Lower the Volume. In America today, there is a fever pitch of anger, hostility, retaliation, rage, online, on the road, in the workplace, in the home. It just seems like people in America are angry today. We have politicians that are angry and embroiled in gridlock. We, we, have, we have workplace conflict. We have domestic strife. It just seems like today in America, the level of hostility and as a result of that insult is at a high level. There's just kind of a spirit of hate in America today. And it's, it's in sports, it's in politics, it's, it's in every aspect of our society. And I want to speak to that and I want to encourage us to lower the volume. An article in Time Magazine here several months ago asked the question, why is America so angry? The article went on to say that there's a difference between justified and unjustified anger. Justified and unjustified anger. And it was interesting in the article, it cited that when you have justified anger, the volume goes down. Example, 9-11. That's a moment of national justified anger. But when you approach the 9-11 memorial, there is, a, there is a hush there if you've ever been there. People just naturally get reverent and quiet. The volume goes down. Arlington National Cemetery. You see the rows of white stones of men and women that have died in defense of our freedom and, and those countries that have tried to take it away and despots who have tried to challenge it and they have given their life and there is a sense of justified anger. But when you approach the tomb of the unknown soldier, it's reverent. People talk in a whisper. The volume goes down. But unjustified anger, the article said, tends to ratchet up. People, people spout angry, shout, yell, yelp, get online, voice every kind of insult they can. And that's the society we live in. It seems like today anger is kind of the junk food in America today. It's so unhealthy, but we're gorging ourselves on it. Gorging ourselves. If somebody asks you, what are you angry at? You could probably tell them because it's such at a high level in our country today. Well, in this series, we talked about the heart of the problem. The, the anger in America today, the heart of the problem is the human heart. The people think it's that other person. It's, 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 not, it's not that I have a temper, we have a temperament. And the heart of the problem is the human heart. And the second message in this series, which is speak softly and carry a big heart. We in the communion service, we took a covenant before God we promised God. We said before the Lord, and I led this congregation in a moment to commit to God, to get rid of vulgarity, to get rid of the bathroom language, to not take bathroom language to describe people or describe our mood or to describe situations. And this is a day where vulgarity is just rampant in America. It's gone viral. And we made a covenant before the Lord to not do that in this people of faith. I call and I summons us to not use vulgarity, to not speak of that tone and not talk that way. 
Then there was a message on the rules for social media. And I just say to every Christ follower here, we're supposed to walk in the Spirit on social media. There's an idea that you can walk in the Spirit and come to church and read the Bible, but on social media, you can complain, gripe, cuss, speak, hate people, uh, vent every emotion you have, and it's all right because it's a platform you're allowed to do that. The Bible says we're to walk in the Spirit in everything, word and deed. And I challenge every one of us to walk in the Spirit in social media. In other words, don't like something if you wouldn't say amen to it in church. If, if, if you heard it on the platform, you heard it in a sermon, and you couldn't say amen to it, why would you like it on social media? Why do we like stuff on social? Why would we like hate, vulgarity, criticism, and then come in and say amen to a sermon that says you should forgive one another? We're speaking out of both sides of our mouth. And the rules for social media is we're to walk in the Spirit. Today I want to talk about don't be critical. Don't be critical. It's an admonishment for every one of us. It's something everyone in this room, at some times or another, we have been there, self-included. We, we have been at that place. We've been critical of somebody. And Jesus is going to teach us and speak to every Christ follower. We need to change our attitude. I invite you to go with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're in a section of Scripture that's called the Sermon on the Mount. For those that have been with us to Israel before, you've been at the very location where Jesus spoke these words. I, as I'm, I'm thinking about the verses, I'm reminiscing at that hillside and, and around Galilee, and I've stood there and at that very spot. It begins in chapter 5, verse number 2, and the Bible says, And Jesus began to teach his disciples. Jesus is not just giving random thoughts. He's not just giving poetical gesture. Jesus is teaching every Christ follower. And in chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, he gives us this instruction. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Let's pause on that a moment. What does it mean to judge? The word judge here in the Bible means to select, to identify, to single out one aspect or one characteristic of a person or situation and then generalize it of the whole. In other words, to say because somebody had a bad day they're a bad person, that's being judgmental. Because somebody is an introvert, they're uncaring. That's judge being judgmental. To select one characteristic, one thing, one aspect, one day, one experience. You go to a restaurant one time, you have a bad experience, the whole restaurant's horrible. Because one time somebody didn't side with you, they're a terrible person, or the company is bad, or their co-worker is bad, they're, they're an enemy and you're going to hate them. When you select one thing and you generalize it of their whole life and the person and you categorize them, the Bible calls that being judgmental or being critical. And Jesus said, do not be critical. Verse number 2. For in the same way you judge others, you're critical of others, you will be judged. And the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Notice that phrase. Measured. The way you measure it out, 
it will be measured to you again. Isn't that an interesting phrase? The word measure here in the Bible is used several times in the New Testament, and many times it's used in a positive sense. It's the word in Luke chapter 6 when it talks about the blessings of God. If you will give, God will give. He will bless you. And the Bible says, and he will measure abundantly above into your life. That word measured is the same word. It's the same word in the book of Romans when it says that God has given to every one of us a measure of faith. God has deposited this measure of faith in us. It's the same word in Ephesians chapter 4 when it says every one of us should grow to the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus. That our lives should, should exemplify what Jesus is and who he is. It's the same word. It's used many times in the Bible in a positive sense. So why is he saying don't measure it out or it'll be measured to you again? Here's what God is saying. God wants to bring good into your life. God wants to bring good into your family. But sometimes God does not bless and God can't bless because we have a measure in our life of something unproductive or negative taking up space. It's taking up space in our life. God can't bring the good in because we have something already occupying that space. It's like when you travel. You know they allow you only 50 pounds in a suitcase. So if you pack 20 pounds of rock, you can only take 30 pounds of clothes and stuff you need. And that's what God is saying. I want to bring good. I want to bring faith. I want to bring Christ in your life. I want to bring blessing in your life. But if you measure out bitterness, unforgiveness, insult, guess what? It's occupying a place. It's coming for out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart is speaking. And God is saying there's something in your heart that's taking up space that doesn't allow God to do good stuff for us. We read this in the, in the Lord's Prayer, just a page earlier in your Bible, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is going to say in that famous prayer, forgive us our trespasses. God, let us get rid of all of our trespasses, the offenses, the anger, the hostility, the offenses of our life. But in the verse before that, Jesus is going to say this, forgive us, Lord. Not only forgive us, but give us our daily bread. And here's what he's saying. God wants to daily bless you, but he can't bless you if in your life there is occupying space that's taken up with unforgiveness, hate, animosity, criticism, sarcasm. If it's in your heart, it's robbing you of what God wants to do in your life. And God is saying, don't let that take up space in your life. Don't be critical because it blocks what God wants to do in your life. On the screen behind me, they're going to bring up a sentence, a phrase that has four blank places for you to insert a word. Four blank places that you could insert a word. And here's what I want to say. Whatever word you choose in the first blank space will be the same word in every other blank space place in that sentence thereafter you choose the first word and every other word is chosen for you for example good thoughts guess what they do they bring good feelings you say i i i'm looking forward to going to school i'm looking forward to work tomorrow i'm looking forward to being with the family good thoughts guess what you go into it with good feelings 
which leads to good actions. You walk in the room, guess what? You high-five somebody, you speak to somebody, you take in the gift, you sit in the place, you say, can I sit by you? Good actions, which results in a good experience. But if you go into it mad, you have mad thoughts. You're saying, I just, I, I just dread going to work Monday morning. You're going to get on the freeway, and guess what? There's going to be somebody that's going to put their taillights on, and you're going to say, why? Move on. Get out of my way. You're going you're to spike in anger. You're going to be upset because bad thoughts are going to bring bad feelings. You're going to be mad by the time you get to work. Yes. You're going to slam the door, at which you're going to lead to, to, to mad actions. People walk in. Good morning. What's good about it? What's good about it? Then you're going to go home and you're going to have a bad experience. How was work today? It was the worst day. It's another Monday. You know, the knuckleheads. Everybody get out of it. People would learn how to drive. And you take that bad experience home to your family. Whatever word you choose in the first blank space will follow you all the way through. Because Jesus is saying, if that's what you measure and give out, guess what? It's going to come back into your life again, again, again. And again, with that in mind, I want to share with you a couple thoughts, and then we're going to have a prayer time. And in the prayer time today, I'm going to ask some of us to forgive some stuff. I'm going to ask some of us to not categorize that coworker. You, you just absolutely detest them. Something happened, something occurred, and you've been angry, and you've categorized, you've judged them. You've taken it home to work. You have, a, you have a teenage son that's wired so different from you. You you wonder, whose kid is this? I mean, how in the world? You, you, you try to explain to him how he ought to be and what he ought to do, and guess what? He is just free-willing, and he's doing it his way, and you're demeaning it and not appreciating the way God created him and the way God wired him. And it's drop, bringing strife and... and and causing you two to separate. Yes. I'm going to ask you to open up your heart and not be critical of him. I'm going to ask you to let the Lord change your disposition and that we as people of faith talk and speak different. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to do social media different. When you go to the workplace and everybody's spouting out and the conversation tomorrow is how many NFL players took a knee in the the national anthem and everybody has an opinion on that and spouting off and criticism and back and forth not to get into that conversation, not to get in the hate speech by politicians and the insults, but to be different people in our society today. I'm going to ask you to make that commitment. And in order to do that, there's two thoughts I want to leave with us today. Thought number one is you correct what's within you to affect what's beyond you. Correct what's within you, and you will affect what's beyond you. If you want a different tomorrow, you want a different workplace, you want a different atmosphere in the home, you want a different fall than you had spring this year, if you want to affect what's beyond you, correct what's within you. Let me read... Matthew 7, 1 and 2 again. And I want you to notice the emphasis of the word you. 
you. Five times. I want you to just mention, and I'm going to emphasize. Let me read it again. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. What is he saying? Change and correct what's within you and thereby affect what's beyond you. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying get rid of your pitchfork and start being nice. That's what I'm saying. Now, do you know nice people, nice people have more friends the nice wait staff, they get the biggest tips. The nice employees, they get more promotions. They get recognized. There's something about nice. You've heard the nice guy finishes last. Can I tell you, science and studies do not support that. It actually supports the fact the nice guy finishes first. Time and again, it's the nice guy that wins out. And Jesus is saying, doesn't matter how they talk, you don't talk that way. Doesn't matter what they rage about, you bless it. You don't speak. You don't get into that conversation. Walk and talk different. I'm here to encourage every one of us to exercise our nice muscle. What is your nice muscle? Ah, I'm study. I'm a, I, I, I'm a nurse. I'm a, I'm a medical practitioner. I've never heard about the nice muscle. Well, let me tell you, it connects the brain and the heart. It's that muscle that connects the brain and the heart. And I'm going to ask you to exercise your nice muscle. How do you exercise your nice muscle? The first way you do it is smile. Yeah. It exercises your nice muscle. It's when you say good morning. It's when you open the door for somebody. It's when you're driving down the freeway and you get over in the turn lane and it's backed up 50 cars. And this one guy pulls all the way up and he's trying to get in, in in front of 50 people. And you don't pull up this much space between you and the next bumper. And you're saying, I'm not going to let them in. No, they didn't get in the line. No. It's when you give a space and let them come in. It's when you go to the grocery store. It's when you go to the grocery store and it has this sign here, Express Lane 15 items or less and you're there and you're counting and inventorying how many items are in the other person's basket. Yes, we do that. They've got 17. That's a felony. They ought to put them in handcuffs. They ought to go to prison for that. I got 14. I didn't buy that extra package of gum or extra box of soap so I would get under the limit. And they are violating the rules. It's exercising your nice muscle because if we exercise our nice muscle, then when Oscar the Grouch is hired in the workplace, we're ready for him. Yes. When life comes and somebody around you is stepping on your heart, you've exercised that nice muscle and you're able to deal with it and you're not lashing out and speaking out. It's holding our peace. It's... it's it's not speaking criticism towards others. I believe every room we walk into as Christ followers, the level of kindness needs to go up. Every room we walk into, the workplace, the library, the classroom, 
the boardroom, every place we go, every business we go into, the level of kindness ought to go up. This $20 bill, I carry this $20 bill in my wallet. I don't spend it. I got this $20 bill in change one time, and I folded it up after I read the message on it, and I've stuck it in. I've kept it in my wallet. I don't spend this $20. This $20 bill means something to me because this $20 bill represents somebody that exercised their nice muscle. For you see, I received it and changed when I got it. I noticed there was something written on the $20 bill. There was a note. I, I, I actually think it was probably written by a, a lady. I, I, I'm not absolutely certain, but the penmanship is just so beautiful. It's so nice. <laughs> and there's, there's a little smiley face at the end of the sentence. But here's what this $20 bill says. There's a story behind it I don't know. But this is what it says. Take this and buy your little man some candy. Ah. Ah. What's the story behind this? Was this a coworker? Was this a coworker that their friend at work came in and said, What's what's wrong? And that that mother said, I I'm a single mom. We can't go to all the birthday parties. My little boy doesn't get a chance to go. He wants to go, but I have to always bring up an excuse because we can't afford a birthday gift. I can't even, and I won't go and embarrass my little boy by not taking a gift. There's so many times we, have, we can't do things, and my little, my little man feels left out. Did that coworker take this $20 bill and etch that and pass it over? I don't know. Was this given to somebody in church sometime? Somebody walked forward and prayed and wept on somebody's shoulder and just felt like they weren't doing, I'm not a good parent and I can't do and I, and they just wrote that note and slipped it in their hand. I, I don't know. Was this an aunt? Was this an uncle that, that saw a niece? Maybe she's an, an unwed mother. And the family kind of made her a scandal. And there's whisper and she feels the reprimand of the family. And that aunt and that uncle took this $20 bill, wrote that message and handed it to her just to let her know they care for her. I don't know. I don't know the story behind that note. But when I got that $20 bill and I read it, I said, I'm going to keep that. And I folded it. I put it in my wallet. And it reminds me, you can exercise your nice muscle in so many ways. There's things we can do that send out a message of care and appreciation to others. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you'll correct what's within you, it'll affect what's beyond you. Yes. Don't judge. You don't want it coming back to you. Because the measure you give out, it's going to be measured to you and it's going to take space in your life. Don't allow that. Anyone that's gone through a divorce, don't fight and use the kids as the battleground. 
you say, but it's unfair what the ex is doing. Yes, and let, let God settle that. Keep your spirit sweet. Keep your spirit sweet. Put a smile on. Don't demean that parent to the children. Don't, don't do that. Don't give that out. You don't want that coming back. Number two, real quickly, I share with you. The shape of your character becomes the shape of your future. The shape of your character, how we respond, not, not at the birthday party, not when, it's, not when we're employee of the month, but when, when the, the rage, the hate, the bitterness, the, the anger, the hostility, the mess of life is happening around us. The character we show by not engaging in the insult war the character we show at that time shapes our future. I'll give you an example of that, David. David would go out and fight Goliath. He would, he would win the contest, and as a result, God would lift him up. He will become king of Israel. And how did he do it? He said, I can fight Goliath because in a former moment, God proved my, I, my character with fighting a bear and a lion. And that character shaped my future. God shaped me then, but now guess what? He put me on a platform, and all of Israel is going to see me fight Goliath. The shape of your character will shape your future. That's what Jesus said, verse 1 and 2. He said, With however you judge, you will be. You will be. What you do now, it will come back to you. It will shape your future. The same way you do it, it will come back to you. And I want to invite us, those that are mad and angry, those that are hurt and wounded, those who are frustrated and agitated. If you're agitated with your kids, can I tell you, God's getting no glory in that. There is no glory in the anger of man. No glory in the anger of man. Even if a politician has the same principles of righteousness that we stand on but if they say it in an ugly fashion can I tell you it invalidates what they say and the way they do it God gets no glory in insult and, and hatefulness that's not what we're about and God's calling us to be different and some of us are feeding on talk radio and talk radio is bringing the worst out in us we're hearing debate and argument all day long and you're chiming in and you're letting the radio host give you phrases and insults to speak out and spill out in conversation in the workplace. I'm going to invite you to turn off that talk radio. Don't let that feed. Take the Word of God and let God's Word get into your heart. Get God's Word in your heart so that you're not speaking and lashing out. And everyone here, for the sister-in-law, for the co-worker, for, for your son, your daughter. Give grace, give extra grace. You say, you don't know how many times. Yeah, you don't know how many times I've messed up and God still extended His grace to me. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I mean, if, 
if making a mistake disqualify you, God had killed me a long time ago. I'll tell you that. But give grace. Give extra grace. Because the day is going to come, you're going to need extra grace. You give it out, it'll come back to you. You don't ever know what that person is going through. That person that you think is difficult and hateful at work, is there a story behind that? Are they fixing to go into bankruptcy? I don't know. You don't know. Perhaps their daughter never came home last night, and they're going to go to work Monday morning without two nights of sleep, exhausted, worried. Their, their heart is broken. And guess what? They won't be patient and understanding coming Monday morning. We don't know the story. You don't know what other people are going through. Give grace. Give grace because the day is going to come. You're going to need grace. You're going to need grace. I'm going to tell you a story. Happened a little over a year ago. A little over a year ago. For you to understand this, I'm going to have to give you some background. A year and a half ago, my mother went to be with the Lord. She's in heaven now. I owe so much to what I am to my mother. My mother took us boys to church. My dad didn't go, but my mom took us. And if you're a, mar- if you're a mother, if you're a parent, the other parent won't go to church, but you're faithful. You be faithful. I'm a product of a mom that was faithful. Oh, let me encourage you. Bring those grandkids. Mom, bring those kids to church. Mom took us to church and vacation Bible schools. Yeah, she did. And there's so much of what I have and who I am, what my life is today, ministry, pastoring, that I owe to what my mom has done for me. Yes. when When I was saved, I told my mom, Mom, God did this. When I was 15 years of age and I was praying at the house in my bedroom and I walked out and I told Mom, Mom was the one, I went and said, Mom, God's called me into the ministry. And I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life preaching the gospel. I'll be pastoring a church. I told my mom when we were going to Bible school, Denise and I quit our jobs. I told my mom. She hugged me. She celebrated. I told my dad. He, he didn't resist it. He just didn't understand it. But I, I confided in my mom. There was just so much of my spiritual journey and spiritual life. I just connect to what mom did. She took us to church and she nurtured that spiritual aspect of of my heart. I pastored here for years and it was just a standard. It was a standard. I was to call mom every Easter. Mom wanted to know how many people got saved, how many people were in church. And I would call her every year. Mom, she'd say, well, Give me the Easter report. She just something about Easter. She wanted to know. Mom, this is how many people were saved, and this is how many people we had in church. And I can still hear in my ear today, I can still hear my my mom saying, Well, praise the Lord. I can still hear that. Yes. She just <clears throat> means so much to me, had meant so much to me. A year and a half ago, March, mom passed away. Oh, that was the hardest goodbye I ever said. That was the hardest goodbye I ever said to say goodbye to to mom. That was March. 
just a few weeks after that's Easter. And I remember Easter. I, I don't have mom to talk to this Easter. That was, that was an emotional time. I didn't get to make the call. Just a few weeks after Easter, May's Mother's Day, I told Denise, I said, I, I can't do Mother's Day. I'd just be too emotional for me. So I asked her to do it. That year, year and a half ago, she, she spoke on Mother's Day. I'm telling you the reason now. I just was so emotional I couldn't. I said goodbye to Mom. And for about probably three or four months, I just, I'd be in church service and things would remind me of Mom. And I'd choke back tears. I just, it was an emotional time. I, I felt like for four months I preached with a broken heart. Mom's in heaven, but wow. Everything reminded me of Mom. Everything brought, brought that back to me. Well, it was June. I think it was June that year. I got a letter got a letter from a church member I think it was the ugliest letter I've ever got they dressed me up one side down the other called me a fake and a fraud you get up there on the platform without any reason you just cry you're just trying to manipulate people trying to get a bigger offering They just didn't understand. I'm not mad at them. They left the church mad at me. I'm sure on social media I have two thumbs down and a dislike somewhere. Uh, they just didn't understand. They just didn't know the story behind the story. That was an emotional time for me. Most of you were patient probably didn't understand I'm telling you now but you never know what people go through you never know the other side of their story and their experience and that's what Jesus is saying don't judge them don't take one moment and categorize them and demean and belittle people because you don't know what they go through Give them grace. Extend grace. Because there's going to be a day you're going to need grace. And I want to invite our Westover family. And all of the hate and insult in our culture, when it's coming from the top to the bottom in America, Jesus tells us to be different. Jesus said we can be and we should be different. And I'm going to invite us to be different. With that in mind, would you just graciously bow your heads as I lead us into an altar moment? With your heads bowed, I'm, I'm going to lead this altar moment right now. There's some of us, this seems so different, forgiving and 
giving grace to people and you say you tried it and it didn't work you said you're just not wired that way and you can't do it the reality is is because you don't have Christ in your life because when I'm talking about you just don't do it in your own strength you don't do it because you have the motivation to do it you don't do it because you have the disposition to do it you do it because Jesus comes into your heart and Jesus changes us you see Jesus changes us from the inside out and uh, attitude begins with a new heart and some of us we never had that making new experience we've never had that new heart experience and I'm going to give you the opportunity today some of us need to know Jesus we can't be like Jesus we can't follow Jesus we can't embrace the teachings of Jesus because we don't have Jesus in our heart I'm not saying you don't believe in God you're here because you do believe in God but you've never made that personal heart commitment to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ and I'm going to give you that opportunity today and you know who you are it resonates with you you need the change to begin on the inside and if that's you and you want to receive Christ as your Savior today on the count of three I'm going to ask you to raise your hand the count of three, I'm going to ask you to put your hand in the air and you're going to self-identify, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior because it change begins in the heart. So here it is. Get ready. One, two, and now three. I need Christ as my Savior. Yes. Yes. All over this auditorium. All over this auditorium in the balcony. I'm going to invite every one of our every one of our prayer team and our deacon and deaconess to step forward to the altar right now. Please do it quickly. And if you raised your hand, I'm going to invite you to stand up right now and come down here and we're going to pray with you to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. You come now. You raised your hand. You come forward. Prayer team, as they come forward, walk over and meet them and greet them and lead them in a prayer moment. You come forward. You raised your hand. In the balcony, I'm going to ask our prayer team person to be positioned in the aisleways. If you'll move to where they're at, or you're welcome to come down the stairs and join us right here. You raised your hand. You come forward. We're not asking you to join this church. We're asking you to allow Jesus to change your heart. We call it making new at Westover. And a changed life begins with a changed heart. You come forward right now. You didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to. You come forward right now right now prayer team right over here in the center right over here yes yes thank you thank you thank you need to receive Christ as your Savior you come forward right now yes yes if you're waiting somebody will pray with you don't don't get impatient somebody's going to pray with you Somebody's going to take time and pray with you, sir, lady. Somebody will pray with you. In the balcony, in our ILLs, there's somebody to pray with you. You're welcome to come down here and join us. It begins by having Christ in our heart. That's where change begins. Now, may I please turn my focus to the rest of the audience today with your heads bowed eyes closed.
I ask, what has God spoken to you? Are you in a workplace environment where it is so easy to just chime in to the insults and the hate, the demagoguery, the put-downs, the belittling, the vulgar speech? Do you find yourself going online and social media and insulting people and venting things? Do you just take your business out there and every time you're offended, you just voice it on social media? Do you know God calls us to be different? God calls us to walk in the Spirit and social media. Is there a co-worker that you've written off? They had a bad day or they expressed an attitude that just turned you off. And you might even be right. You might even be right. But you have, you have held anger towards them and resentment towards them. That's not from God, and you can forgive them. If you've gone through a divorce and the ex is trying to make things difficult, can I give you spiritual advice today? Can I give you pastoral advice? Don't harbor that. Don't, don't let that live. Don't carry their offense in your heart. You may have been done wrong, but now it's time to do things right and live above that. For family members, a son or a daughter or a wife or a husband, you pulled away from. You've categorized them. You said they're uncaring, unloving, and, and, and there's emotional punishment in the home going back and forth. That's being judgmental. And Jesus would tell us to give grace into that. Jesus would call us to a higher principle in that. And I'm going to call you to a higher principle than that today. And I'm going to ask you to join me. And we're going to pray. Every one of us. I tell you, we're at the table and I have to bring some of my shortcomings. I have to bring some of my impatience and my blind spots of my heart. And I have to bring them to the Lord. Let's pray to death to, together today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just gather. We're not perfect. We don't claim to be perfect. There are shortcomings in every one of our hearts. God, we have, we have misspoken. We judged people. We've been critical. We've done it in the home. We've, we've justified our anger in the home because someone didn't comply to our expectations. And God, perhaps our expectations are wrong. Sometimes in expectations, we devalue how you created other people. Help us not to do that. Help us to not be judgmental in speech and conversation. In the workplace tomorrow, there's going to be, there's going to be a plethora of conversations about the knees that have been taken in uh, the national anthem in football games today and how easy, God, it is for us to be judgmental and critical and insulting. God, guard our hearts. Guard our speech. As believers, there are areas we give up our right to have an opinion in order to be salt and light for Jesus Christ. God, help us to not get involved and the hate speech, and the insults, and the rage, and the put-down. God, help us to walk in the Spirit in our conversations at work, at home, and on social media. Help us, God, to show forth the love of Christ in attitude, and action, and speech. Help us, God, as we go about our affairs and business through the week for the, the wait staff, 
for, for the co-worker, for the people in the, the garage that were paying the, the parking fee to. In every aspect, God, let us show forth kindness. Cleanse our conversations, God. Sanctify our hearts and minds that we would be people that would adequately and appropriately represent Jesus Christ to others. Let it be God. God, even let it be in me. God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, just, just give me a heart of compassion for people. God, enlarge my heart of compassion for people. Lord, they come to church on Sunday. They, they come to church on Wednesday. They come to church on Saturday. God, there are issues in their life. And let us not categorize people inappropriately and unfairly. Let's look at people through the eyes of Jesus. I pray that. I pray Westover to be salt and light in our community and an example for Jesus in word and deed. And I ask this in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with me today and, and being so attentive. Thank you for allowing your heart to be receptive to the teachings of Jesus. Let's go out and let's be different people. Let's put a smile on and let's show forth the love of Jesus to the community. God bless you. Go in the love of the Lord today.